Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kanan Rin's Sound of Play 164. and sound of play we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the mini video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades and joining me ryan Heyman, in sound of play 164 is john director of course again under the uh authorial pseudonym <laughs> absolutely right thank you um thank you for remembering i am touched so yes um Dave, to anyone who knows me, Dave Derbyshire, but John Richter as my writer, uh, alter ego, which I'll attempt to adopt for the rest of this uh, of this show. <laughs> you can be called whatever you want to be called, you know, we're, uh, you can even change halfway through if you want to. We're pretty chill around sound of play. Well, you can tell I'm really indecisive. So um, yeah, maybe don't open that up. I could end up with like 17 different names. This could get really confusing. Well, as long as we don't uh, change the tracks that are on the docket for today, because spoiler alert, you know, every week we pick uh we pick our musical tracks because we really like them uh or i should say rather there's two reasons why we would pick a musical track is one we really like it or two it's sung by han solo and it's always one of those two so uh what we have today is not only tracks that we like but i think it's an especially strong lineup from uh, start to end, we've got a huge variety of tracks, some very intense stuff, some very chill stuff, but all of it is just ace. And so I'm thinking this is going to be a really good show. So um, yeah, thanks for your contribution to that. Uh, why don't you uh, start off by, again, kind of introducing yourself to uh, audiences who might not remember your previous appearance uh, of course certainly and just as a quick aside it, great to hear you use the phrase ace that's that's a word that doesn't get used <laughs> often enough in this day and age so thanks for let's try and bring that back this is going to be going to be an ace show it's we're not going to be a bunch of squares in the yeah. studio today <laughs> that's, that, that's the spirit so my name is john richter for the purposes of this podcast so i am a writer <laughs> i have a few books out um i 
primarily write kind of weird, dark stuff. So I've got a couple of crime thrillers with a bit of horror and then a short story collection that's more kind of full-blown horror. Um, and you can find all of that stuff. Well, I'll plug all that at the end. We'll come back to all of that. Um, <laughs> but what it means is that my video game interests tend to centre around those sorts of genres, although I'm probably venturing a bit outside of that today with some of the picks. Like we said before, you've been on before. And so, you know, you're no longer a guest as much as just part of the family now. <laughs> the Kane and Rinse Sound of Play extended family, friend of the show. Oh, well, that is very uh, sweet of you. I will, um, I will, I will treasure <laughs> this for uh, forever. So thank you, Ryan. We had, a, we had a nice time chatting last time. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's good to have familiar faces back on the... Not faces, it's the podcast. We don't do faces. We do familiar voices. <laughs> familiar noises, hopefully. Familiar oh, noises. Hopefully some original stuff in the music, though. Some things people haven't heard yeah. before. Yeah, yeah. So this first track that we came in on is a... Uh, quite one to start on. It's got quite a an intense and dissonant sound to it. Uh, what is it that um, that brings you to this particular track from Streets of Rage Two? Oh man, I mean, we were talking about using the word ace. If there was if there was a track <laughs> that could be described as absolutely ace, it is this one. So uh, Streets of Rage Two is li- like I think. Um, well. I'm sure a lot of people like that game. I know for a fact a lot of people of around my age, 30-odd, um, we were kind of brought up on it. You know, it came out on the Sega Mega Drive when we were all about 10. We all, like, most of us in, in the UK, Sega Mega Drive, as I guess you would call it a Genesis. Um, mm-hmm. It was yep. maybe more popular than the SNES in, in the UK. So we had like one strange friend who had a Nintendo and the rest of us all had Mega Drives. <laughs> and pretty much everyone had Streets of Rage 1 because it was one of those games that kind of came with the console. And it was brilliant because it was walking along mm. beating people up, which is just what you want to do when you're a 10-year-old kid. <laughs> um, and then the second one came out. And it was, you know, there was this massive graphical step up and the sound effects were all crunchier and meatier. And, the, you know, everything about it was just doubled up. It was just fantastic. And it was that couch co-op thing. So you'd go around to your friend's house or he'd come around to yours uh, and your parents would make you food and all that stuff. And you'd sit there and you'd just complete Streets of Rage 2. And that just became like a standard thing to do, um, you know, on in- increasing difficulty settings or whatever. Um, and so I love that soundtrack. I still listen to it. It's probably, it's not even one of my favourite video game soundtracks. It's, it's legitimately one of my favourite albums. It's just a masterpiece. I honestly think if it if, if a, most of the songs on the Streets of Rage 2 soundtrack came on in a club while you were out, everyone would just go bonkers. It would just be like a floor filler. Um, so yeah. I grappled for a while with which one to choose because there's so many belters on there. But in the end, I went for Revenge of Mr. X. So this is the sort of final boss theme after you've dispatched wave after wave of, you know, kind of annoying bald henchmen. And then he's, you've got his tough guy, the kind of um, Asian uh, sort of bodyguard character who's a really difficult fight. And then Mr. X himself kind of rises from his throne with his big Tommy gun and just starts blowing you away. Um, and this music plays and it's kind of like a mashup of the boss theme from the second game but also Mr X's theme from the first game and I just I love it it's great so yes I thought we'd open on a high note uh, if that's okay and thank you I think that is a memorable point in that game because the character has a gun and that kind of feels like cheating a little bit (laughs) I always thought that it was almost like a realization like oh why didn't someone else think of this they could could have stopped (laughs) us ages ago level one we'd have been done Anyways, if you're curious about the Streets of Rage series, we've covered that on the main podcast, Kane and Rinse. 
back in issue 70, a long time ago now, that is the Streets of Rage trilogy was covered in that show. Uh, so if you want to go back to that. There, of course, was a Streets of Rage 3, and it maybe ah, kind of came out a little bit when the Mega Drive was kind of dying off and mm-hmm. we were all moving on to PlayStations and such like. And then it just kind of died, didn't it? And there was no follow-up sequel, and I thought the franchise was just, that's it. It's just a nostalgic fragment of my childhood. And then in the past couple of weeks, Streets of Rage 4 has been announced. There is a trailer doing the rounds online. Amazing. So that's kind of uh, been this, this month's big revelation for me. Yeah, those kind of... I want to call them 2.5D beat-em-ups because there is some movement along the Z-axis as you're moving into the screen. It's not just a purely 2D affair like Mario. Uh, They kind of come in and out of fashion every few years, and they never entirely go away. You know, they they were very big for a little while, and then they kind of died out, but there came a point where there were a bunch of nice, like, indie throwbacks to the genre of Castle Crashers and Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the dearly departed Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which you can no longer obtain on any system. Uh, and uh, there was a Turtles in Time remake at one point. And so, you know, every once in a while, they uh, they they pop up again. I, I never I never grew out with them. So I think, yes, good. Long may it continue. Make more of them, please. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on to another game that is perhaps uh, perhaps similar in style but different in other ways. This comes from Marvel vs. Capcom, and I'm not going to say this is a deep cut or anything. It's always just been one of my favorites ever since I was a little kid. I love the theme of Ryu from Marvel vs. Capcom, the original PlayStation game, which is, of course, uh, on the arcade and Dreamcast and other systems as well, but I had it on PlayStation as a kid. And uh, I think... This is just the main theme song from Street Fighter 2. I don't think it was associated with Ryu specifically in that game, but um, it's just such a strong rendition of a killer track. And yeah, this is one that I could just listen to all day when I was a little kid. And I've grown up, experienced so much music and so much life since then. And the song, the, the track still kicks a lot of ass. So... Uh, I'll take that as validation for my taste as a child. Uh, John, have you ever gotten into like real core fighting games? I suppose, uh, again, going back to my yeah, heyday when I was literally about 10 years old. That's depressing, isn't it? Anyway, um, <laughs> that's, it was, that's the pinnacle. Uh, yeah, that was it. I've just been downhill ever since. <laughs> I peaked early. And it was always, again, in the, I'm sure this was the same everywhere, but in the UK, the 10 year old kid scene, it was like Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter 2. And those were kind of the, the you know, your choices. Mm-hmm. And I think me and my particular group of mates, we just seem to gravitate more towards Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat 2. I think because you've just got that childish sort of, you know, it was the scandal at the time. Wow, he's just pulled the guy's spinal cord out. Cool. <laughs> and it was all over the TV. You know, it was kind of controversial. So mm-hmm. we were probably, I'm probably more of a Mortal Kombat guy than a Street Fighter guy. And I think Street Fighter probably. I'd venture to say probably requires a bit more skill because there's more diversity in the characters, more techniques to master. The little curvy Haruken fireball move is a bit fiddlier to do. So mm-hmm. um, because I'm, yeah, I'm lazy. So I, I never never managed to master Street Fighter. So I've tended to gravitate more towards uh, rival products, I think. Mm, all right, well... Uh, I've always really liked the Marvel vs. Capcom series. Uh, I was more of a Street Fighter type growing up, and it's fun seeing all the Street Fighter characters that you know and care about come up against the Marvel characters, and everything was so big and 
uh, flashy and you know, it's the same kind of feeling that I get from Super Smash Bros. these days. It's like I just love to see these completely disparate heroes and villains come together into this space and have to adapt to fit into a fighting game to be somewhat balanced against one another. And then you get a few like weird choices like Roll from Mega Man and uh, yeah, it's just it's it's fun. It is, uh, yeah, and I don't think the concept could ever get up. Like, you could, anything, if you t- turn any group of well known characters into a fighting game version of it, and people <laughs> would lap it up. You know, like Game of Thrones, the fighting game, I'd buy that. Um, British, you know, politicians, the fighting game, that, that people would snap <laughs> that up. There's endless scope here. Yeah, well, I mean, apparently people didn't really get on with Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. That one didn't sell as much as they were hoping, but. Uh... I, I feel like that's more due to the presentation, the way that the game was uh, was initially marketed. But um, anyways, let's listen to a little bit of music from the original Marvel vs. Capcom. Not the first in the Versus series, as we talk about in Kanan Rents issue 294, uh, but this was an, uh, an early runner there anyways, and it kind of started off the Marvel vs. Capcom quadrilogy that i think is probably concluded now unfortunately (laughs) Uh, but anyways this is the theme of ryu by yuku takahara from marvel vs capcom clash of the superheroes a request from the forum this comes from Pididus, 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 i assume <laughs> who says with the release of dead cells a game that i've been supporting since its initial early access stages i can for the first time say that a perfect game exists <laughs> oh boy uh, that is not to say that this is a game for everyone or that it is the best game ever made 
It is a perfect game because everything it sets out to accomplish, it does flawlessly. From its fluid and fast-paced combat, the balance and risk-reward factor of the weapons, the satisfying gameplay loop that encourages constant replayability and evokes that just-one-more-run feeling, the challenging but fair difficulty to the of-course-amazing music. I was tempted to pick the theme from the first level, since it's the one that most people will hear over and over again for obvious reasons. And although it's an awesome track that makes your blood rush, I had to go with the one from the last non-boss level. This theme combines medieval fantasy aspects with those found in classical music to create an atmosphere that is threatening, foreshadowing, the looming danger that awaits next, and also sometimes hopeful, leading you to believe that this might be the run, that in which you finally master the game's challenges. All in all, an excellent game that is bound to become a timeless classic. Uh, the word perfect is kind of on the banned list uh, of, of phrases on the Kane and Rinse crew. Of course, the, the fans can uh, write in whatever you want. Like, we're really happy to read all these opinions. This is not something that uh, Leon typically uh, allows into the main Kane and Rinse discussion, which is, uh, which is fine. Although, while I don't think that perfection is ever truly attainable, I do really agree with Peditis's, uh kind of definition of the term, where perfection isn't necessarily a comparative term against all the other works that have ever come before, but rather it is an expression of whether it met its own internally set goals, uh, if that makes any sense. Sorry, I've never played um, Dead Cells before. Peditis mm. is the forum contributor, so I will definitely check that out because his, his description or her description has, has made it sound fantastic. Yeah, I've been playing a ton of this one recently, actually. It's a roguelite um, in which I guess the difference between the roguelite and the roguelike is that roguelikes completely regenerate every round and you start from scratch every single time, whereas a roguelite, you can kind of make progress that makes your next run a little bit easier or or gives you more tools to work with next time around and so you are making forward progress along the way so it's not a complete reset every time around so dead cells is a roguelite and it's um it's just an exceptionally well-designed game uh you know i i think if we are going to throw words like perfect around like this this game gets about as close as I've seen <laughs> games get in a long time. And it's just super encouraging to see something coming out of the indie space that's so polished, that feels so fresh. Um, I will say if if I have to make any complaint about the game, it's that it front loads you with a lot of progress up front. You're discovering new areas, you're getting new abilities, you're unlocking new weapons, you're powering up some of the items that you've uh, that you've gained along the way and it's really exciting but it plateaus pretty quickly and you really have to push through a lot of uh, feeling like you're making very very little progress at all until you do start to get to more of these points of uh, of rapid progress and so you know the the pacing is a little weird and sometimes it feels like a run can be almost completely wasted but um overall it's still really engrossing and the gameplay is just super fun it's a uh, kind of a side scrolling action uh kind of a like a beat-em-up type game but it takes a lot from dark souls 
and it's yeah, it's just really engrossing and just one that just genuinely feels good to take part in. There was an advertising campaign in the UK a while ago for this, um, I don't know, it was like a wood varnishing product and it was called Ron Seal. It does exactly what it says on the tin. And I kind of think that if you're going to, as you say, a perfect game, sometimes it doesn't mean it's the greatest game that's ever been yeah, made, right. but it just does what it's setting out to do perfectly. And it, when you play mm-hmm. a game like that, it feels really polished. It, it is a great experience. Yeah. And of course, it's it's not something that I'm going to be like espousing in the critical sense, but like I do have my own list of games that I consider to be quote unquote perfect by the standards of it achieves the goals that it sets out for itself. I think that, well, let's see if I can remember off the top of my head. I think that Portal 1, Super Mario Galaxy 2, and uh, Tetris and Banjo-Kazooie all get pretty close to what I would consider to be perfect as in achieving the goals that it sets out. Uh, I think the Hexels games get about as close as I've ever seen before. So, you know, it's it's an interesting term to use and a term to discuss in the critical sense. But, you know, as long as we all kind of understand <laughs> uh, what we mean when we say it. Anyways, let's let's get into some Dead Cells music. This is Castle by Yoan Lulan. Uh, Laulan. Yeah, this is from Motion Twins Dead Cells. This comes from the penultimate stage the castle which i have gotten to twice and have been uh summarily pulverized on both occasions because it is a very rough uh very tough area i should say and uh yeah it it really uh those uh those enemies hand out quite a beating (laughs) anyways castle from dead cells
track comes again from the forum from Dom's Beard, who says this is from a chase section in the game as one of the characters. I should preface, this comes from Detroit Become Human. I love this piece of music as it is one of those pieces that fits the scene perfectly. This is also one of my favorite scenes as having had my playthrough and watched my wife and brother-in-law play it through, we all got different endings to it, which is why I love this game so much as we discuss and argue why we made the choices we did throughout the game. <laughs> I'd like to give a little shout out to our uh, our friendly rival podcast, The Computer Game Show, who have been for the past few weeks arguing the merits or lack thereof of Detroit Become Human. I know that on the Kane and Rinse team, uh, David Cage and Quantic Dreams are not super highly thought of, to put it, uh, to put it mildly. Um, you can catch up with our thoughts on previous Cage games in uh, Cannon Rinse issues 96, 100, and 216 for Fahrenheit, Indigo Prophecy, uh, Heavy Rain, and Beyond Two Souls, respectively. But I don't know if anyone on the team has played Detroit yet. And so, of course, we we reserve judgment until we have played it, but... You know, I'm I'm happy to see that this game is divisive again. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't want people to be arguing and I don't want feelings to get hurt along the way. But I like that there is discussion about the uh, about very different qualities of a game emerging. I just find the whole conversation really fascinating. And I think we can learn more from a game that we all disagree on and have to, you know, by necessity root down and defend than something that everyone thinks is great yeah definitely and i actually played a few of a few of mr cage's games like fahrenheit mm-hmm. and um oh heavy rain <laughs> was another one and yeah it's kind of especially on heavy rain there were some bits of it that i kind of liked and it was like i can see what he's doing here and this is mm-hmm. good but then it would just devolve into this you know 57 minute long fight scene and you were just trying to press like a press square press circle press square and it uh, and it, yeah it completely sort of even within my own mind i was quite divided in my view of that particular game um so yeah it, it's it's i agree with you definitely good to have kind of controversial titles that um prompt discussion rather than just things that are universally agreed on as being bad or brilliant that's one of the things that i think about with breath of the wild especially is that that one, I mean, while it does have its distractors because we're on the internet, obviously, that one I feel like is about as close to like universal praise as I've seen in a game for a very, very long time. And it almost makes me kind of wonder, like, how much more could we have learned from that game if people really did have points to defend? And, uh, you know, there have been some brilliant editorial pieces written about it and everything, but I feel like you give it a different uh you give a piece of work a different um perspective and a different look when you are faced with perspectives that challenge the ones that you have and so yeah i'm i feel like there's there's still a lot to discover in breath of the wild and i'm almost kind of eagerly awaiting the backlash on that one uh because you know sometimes that's when you really discover what a what a game is made out of <laughs> yeah no definitely interesting interesting stuff and um 
yes, it, it, think of, I won't start listing various games that I like, but it, it, sometimes if you if you fall in love with a game and you talk to someone else and they're just like, oh yeah, it's brilliant, and then the next person, yeah, fantastic, 9 out of 10. It, it, it's quite a dull, one-sided conversation, isn't it? So it would be mm. nice to have some, as you say, a bit of a backlash might make for some more uh, interesting debates on the subject. Speaking of the Kane and Rinse podcast, like, I tend to find the episodes where people don't agree to be the most interesting anyways and so you know i just really love to hear both sides of the argument come out and uh yeah i think it's a it's great to have a really holistic view of everything so i'm, I'm excited by uh, all that to say i'm excited by the conversation surrounding detroit become human and um yeah i'm just really happy to see where it goes i'm, I'm thrilled that people are enjoying it from what i've seen i watched uh, james farley James Farley's playthrough from the computer game show on uh, uh, that he streamed. And I, I don't think it's for me, but I'm, I'm thrilled that people are really getting a lot out of it. And I think that of the people that I've talked to that have really liked it, it tends to be the people who are playing it uh, concurrently with other people and comparing their experiences. And so that's something that, uh, that you don't get in a lot of games. You know, it's fun to swap stories in Monster Hunter and Just Cause and all of these games, but it's not like completely branching storylines that are intentional. It's just kind of like things that happen that might happen to the other person the next time that they play. It's a little bit different. And um, so, yeah, anyways, let's get to some music here. This is called Now by Philip Shepard, Nima Fakara, and John Pesano from Detroit Become Human. I love this piece of music. It's it's a surprisingly intense and strong piece of music, so I hope you enjoy it as much as I do.
Alright, we're circling back around to, to you, to one of your picks. And uh, this is a piece of music that I am very familiar with. Uh, I take it that you're playing through the game right now? Yes, yeah. Not, I was about to say as we speak. I'm not actually playing it as we speak. That would be a bit distracting, wouldn't it? That's not like I've never done that before. <laughs> yes, I, I thought you said it distracted. You've clearly got Breath of the Wild on in the background. No, not really. <laughs> well, not today, but uh, I've, you know, every once in a while. <laughs> Conference calls at work sometimes. Uh, yeah, with, yeah. with previous employers, of course, not my current employer. Um, so yeah, so Nier Automata is the game, and I am properly loving it. I, I I got hold of it a while ago. I can't actually remem- remember. Did I swap something for it, or and, and it just was sat in the drawer? And then um, I actually bought We Happy Few, which I've been excited about mm. for about two years since that really cool trailer, you know, with the bobbies turning round mm-hmm. and then chasing the guy and force feeding him the pit. And then I got it, and it just didn't really work properly, and it was kind of glitchy and buggy and did I, you get the early access version or did you, did you get the recent version no the the final ps4 release i really wanted to like it and i just couldn't because i found it I, I just didn't get on with it maybe i'll go back at some point so because i was all kind of sulky and frustrated after that i thought oh well i may as well fire up this other one then and just fell in love with it immediately it had this amazing kind of yeah. opening sequence where it was like a 2d shoot them up into a 3d and then you land and you're just hacking all these robots to bits and there's explosions and then a massive robot and there's this fantastic like visuals and then because it's japanese it, it's got that as you get further into the game it's got that really crazy sort of flits between real sort of childish comedy and then quite serious emotional <laughs> content and mm-hmm. you've got these beautiful landscapes of kind of the, the you know nature reclaiming these abandoned cities um and i'm a sucker for like you know laputa and anything with kind of sad robots in it um my, my current writing project is a kind of sci-fi thing that i'm on with at the moment so it's, it's very much a subject that i'm interested in currently um so yeah, I'm I am really really enjoying this game. So I wanted to um, pick something from the soundtrack, uh, and I, I went for one that pro- probably is going to be very familiar to anyone who's played it because it's a, a song you hear a lot because it's in a region you spend, or I, I certainly so far have spent a lot of time in, which is the city ruins. How far into the game are you? So I'm up to the bit where I'm trying to do like a non-spoilery thing. Yeah, <laughs> you go in the forest, and there's like a mm-hmm. big. I think I can say there's a big castle in the forest. I'm up to that yeah, bit. Okay. I'm not sure how, maybe that's not not very far, but... Um, so you've not got any of the endings yet? Um, the only one I've had is because I ate a mackerel um, and died immediately, <laughs> which is yes. quite annoying. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I got that one as well. That one's just a joke ending. There are a few joke endings thrown in there as well, but uh, oh man, you've got a... You've got a very good road ahead of you. <laughs> oh, I, I'm going to have to try and stay spoiler free then because I've, I've weirdly managed yeah. it so far. Um, so yeah, I'm really, really loving this game currently. So um, yes, I, uh, I'll, I'll keep you posted on how I get on. It continues to stay good for many, many hours after that. Uh, Brilliant. There's, yeah, it's, it's great. I, I can't recommend uh, Near Automata enough. Uh, we talked about the original Nier in Canon Rinse 111, if you want to check back on that one. But I don't think that we've uh, we've covered Automata just yet, because it is still very, very new. And so we usually like to give games some time before discussing them. But I, uh, man, that's one that I, I really hope that I'm back on mic for the Canon Rinse podcast by the time that one comes around, because I, I do love that game. Excellent. 
I look forward to that one then, and, and hopefully I'll, you know, my, my goal is to finish it quickly, especially now I've got these two weeks off, so hopefully I can make some more progress. And so the music in this game, just like in the first Nier, is um, one of the standout aspects of it, the things that really, um, that's really memorable. And in both games, they uh, they have a lot of not only the intense battle music, but a lot of really kind of soothing pieces that oftentimes let classical instruments and electronic instruments interact and then are kind of overlaid with a soothing vocal performance, which is what uh, this track does. This particular version of the track kind of cycles through a few iterations of it. And uh, I, I was waiting for the vocals to kick in because it does feel wrong without them for how much you hear them throughout the game. <laughs> This is called The City Ruins. This is composed by Keiichi Okabe and Keigo Hawashi from Nier Automata, developed by Platinum Games in 2017.
We're going back to the forum for another request from them. This comes from X Ben Blaster X from the forum, who says, "Luminosity or luminosity, perhaps it's a pun, but I don't know the way that they preferred to pronounce it." <laughs> is a charming little game, one of the few point-and-click adventures I've managed to finish, and this is certainly my favorite track from the game. Yes, as we've mentioned, this is a very chill track, but man, I really like this one. It's just really really pleasant and nice, but it still feels like a smart composition. There's still kind of enough going on and enough uh, subversion of expectations to where it's, um, I don't know, just feels feels fresh in a way that a lot of uh, point-and-click adventure soundtracks tend to just kind of fall into the background. This one, uh, this one does really stand out. I like it. What is your experience with the point-and-click genre? Day of the Tentacle, when I was in my aforementioned sort of 10-year-old-ish heyday, uh, I remember <laughs> going to a friend's, like a new friend, you know, like you've just started big school, like high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you're 11. So you were 10 years old in high school, right? Well, our high school is different to your high school, isn't it? Oh, really? So we like, okay. we leave, let me get this right. We leave primary school when we're, I'm pretty sure, 11 years old and start mm. high school. And then we do five years in high school, leave that when you're 16. Do you have numbered grades as well? It's called years, so year seven is like the seventh year of your education, but it's the first Mm -hmm. year of high school, and then year 11 is the last year of high school, and then you go on into further education, or do what I did and just drop out and bum around for a few years and then sort your life out later. That's Mm -hmm. that's another story. So yeah, so I think I would have been 11 years old, first year high school, met this bloke called, oh, he wouldn't have been a bloke then, it was, you know, another young child. Sure. And he, and I think, you know that kind of thing when you go to your new friend's house for the first time and it's all a bit kind of weird and you meet the parents and they cook you a meal. And then he then proceeded to showcase the entire, he played through from the start to the end, Day of the Tentacle in its entirety. And it was on a PC, obviously. And I just sat there kind of watching agape like wow this game is so good and it's so funny and i've never seen anything like this before so yes i have very fond memories of that actually um although sadly lost touch with the 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 guy in question never kept Mm -hmm. in touch but um we'll always have day of the tentacle was this a game that you were figuring out together or was it something that he'd played through many times and he was just kind of speed running it for you Completely the latter. So he was clearly mm-hmm. um, uh, highly skilled, um, which probably made my experience of it less enjoyable because I didn't get a chance to figure out any of the puzzles. But um, some of them were quite kind of arcane and obtuse anyway, as I recall. Right. So I think we probably needed his expertise, certainly to have any chance of getting through it in one evening. Um, but yes, so I, I remember that fondly. I, I've probably never really come back to that genre a great deal in later years. So ah, I'm trying to think of any other big sort of point and click. Um, there was the Grim uh, Fandango, um, mm-hmm. uh, which I did get on the PS4 and just it, I'd heard so much about how great that game was that maybe my expectations were too high. So I, I sort of bounced off it a little bit and found it to be quite dated um, and, and drifted away from it about halfway through. But I'm probably I'm sure people are recoiling away from their headphones in horror at that statement. So maybe I should go back to it at some point. I know. I think that's a, that is a commonly held sentiment, even among fans of the game, that aspects of it have definitely dated over time. I think the point and click genre has kind of branched out in many directions since the time of Ron Gilbert and Tim Schafer kind of owning that space. There have been some games that have maintained this kind of classic style of point-and-click adventures of 
heavy dialogue and lots of puzzle solving and everything like a like broken age recently uh, not recently i guess it's been a few years now um but there's also been a load of more experiential point and click adventure games uh, like you'll see um at the amenita design games that we point to quite frequently in sound of play like botanicula and machinarium and samarost uh, are point and click adventures but there's not so much direct puzzle solving as it is just kind of i guess they are still puzzle bounded but they're not they're not um grounded in uh dialogue trees and stuff like that uh, it's more kind of an experience a musical experience oftentimes and then uh, the telltale games have also kind of evolved from the point and click genres they were doing pretty straight point and clicks for a while with the uh, Salmon Max series being a particular favorite of mine, the Telltale Salmon Max games. Um, but uh, yeah, recently they've, again, not recently, <laughs> for quite a while now, they have been pushing the point-and-click style of, uh, of gameplay into something that re- resembles episodic TV a little bit more. Yes, I, I, um, I completely forgot. Uh, you mentioned a couple of games I have played, the Machinarium, that was ace. Mm-hmm. Loved that. Back to the back to the sort of not quite sad robots, but kind of lovable, cute. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. see what I mean. And then and yeah, the Walking Dead series, amazing, amazing stuff. Um, but again, yes, it's not quite a puzzle game as much as proceeding through a right. what almost feels like a TV show, but but just a really gripping one. Um, so yeah, definitely highly recommended. Well, let's listen to The Market by Ed Gaps from Luminosity or Luminosity, however you choose to pronounce it.
keeping in our more chill theme, uh, we have a- another track from, again, one of my favorite soundtracks of all time, which I'm surprised it's been so long since I've featured anything from this soundtrack. Uh, we had previously spoken to the composer of it on Sound of Play, uh, but this comes from Cameo Elements of Power. This is called A Lament for Salon from Steve Burke. And uh, we had also discussed the game itself in Canada Rinse 173. And uh, I just, I love this game. <laughs> the game itself, it's a little fiddly, but there's so much of a just genuine feeling of magic in it. And just the, the art design, the design of the castle, of the world, of the characters, the music especially, is just really, really top tier. And as fiddly as the gameplay can be, it's still, I, I still get sucked into it every time I go back to it. And, uh, and the, the soundtrack has been kind of forever, ever since its launch back in 2005 in very frequent rotation in my playlists. So uh, this is a particular track that you get, I believe it's inside some of the rooms of the castle. Um, this is called A Lament for Salon, as I said, and it is exclusively, I believe, a vocal. Yeah, maybe there are some other instruments that kind of amplify the, the vocal performance, but it's primarily a choral track. And I just think it's kind of unfairly beautiful. Like, it's just a really, really lovely track. And uh, I don't have a lot to say to really talk it up. It's not, you know, especially complex or anything, but it's uh, just really beautiful. <laughs> I really, I really like it. Yeah, don't really have anything more to say. Let's listen to Element for Salon from Cameo, Elements of Power.
Now, speaking of songs with vocal performances, this next one comes from uh, Metal Gear Solid 5. This is a licensed track, but I think people will uh, primarily at this point associate it with Metal Gear Solid 5. Why don't you introduce us to uh, this, this really lovely track? Oh, yeah, this is a bell to this. So I, to my shame as a Metal Gear fan, I have not yet played Metal Gear Solid 5. So although, so I don't know if this song appears, as you've said, I think it probably does appear in the full game, but I've heard it from the Ground Zeroes, you know, the kind of prologue game, the sort Mm -hmm. of mini game that was released in advance of the main game, um, which I enjoyed a lot. um, And I'll come back in a second to perhaps why I haven't then gone on to play the full game. But the bit I enjoyed the most was this track. So you had this kind of playing over the top of this very kind of solemn military scenes and you've got the kind of wind blowing in the rain you've got the the whole kind of dark setting guns firing everywhere the sinister skull face character with his kind of you know machiavellian plans whatever he's up to and it it just the whole package to me was just this perfect combination and this song completely stuck in my head for weeks and weeks and weeks i was listening to it on repeat every like on my commute into the office and then back home and it was like whatever song i played I just ended up stopping it and switching to this song again. And it's that kind of slow build of this beautiful single female vocal. And the, the lady who sings it, I'd never, I had a, I had never heard of, but apparently she's quite a big deal and used to be in a relationship with Bob Dylan. So that's a little side mm. thing to um, to learn about, about the, the singer. But it, this very simple repeated um, sort of four lines, it just kind of swells and grows and other vocals join in and it becomes this almost kind of choral sound and I just think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, j- just to touch on the Metal Gear Solid 5 thing, I, I think I'm, I was really sad that David Hayter got dumped as the voice of Solid Snake because to yeah. me, that is he's the voice of Solid Snake, you know, with his Meryl and, you know, war, war never changes. And it just <laughs> it, Replacing him was like... They'd kind of rip the soul out of the game somehow. And I love Kiefer Sutherland. I think he's a great actor. And I used to watch 24 and I can see why he was cast in that role. And I'm sure he goes on to do a good job. But I just felt somehow it, it wasn't the same. So although I'm motivated to play it at some point, I haven't I haven't yet got round to it. But um, this song might sort of prompt me to, to get to it sooner rather than later. So how much do you know about the song itself? Uh, very, very little, very little. I, I've, okay. I think when I, when I, but when I searched for it, the artist was listed as Ennio Morricone. You know the mm-hmm. kind of composer. So mm-hmm. I think it's from a film that he made, presumably some sort of old western. Um, I've touched on the the singer is a lady called Joan. I think it's pronounced Baez. Um, I've probably got mm-hmm. that completely wrong. Um, and as I said before, I think she had um, some involvement with Bob Dylan in the past. And they sort of wrote a few songs together. I think there's some famous song she wrote that is about him. Quite a sad lament after the end of their kind of relationship. Um, and I haven't got a clue who the characters are that are referenced by name in the song title. So that's like a little mystery for me that I know I could sort right, of well, go and Google it and find out. I'll break out. the mystery then. Uh, I, I did some research on the track beforehand uh, just because you know, not extensively, but just reading through the Wikipedia page. Uh, it's from a soundtrack from a movie called Sacco and Vanzetti. I, I can't vouch for the pronunciations, but uh, it's about these two characters named Nicola Sacco and Bartolomeo Vanzetti, who 
uh, just reading from the Wikipedia page, essentially, uh, there are two anarchists who were sentenced to death in the uh, 1920s in the United States. And the consensus of critical opinion has concluded since that the ruling was based on an abhorrence to their anarchist political beliefs rather than any proof that they actually committed the robbery and murders of which they were accused. And so the lyrics to the song are taken from one of the personal statements that Vanzetti made uh, towards the end of his life. Uh, it sounds, uh, well, then thank you for enlightening me on that one, actually. That's, that's another film I'll have to go and watch. Um, but that, that sounds that sounds really cool, and it's and it does have so the song uh, it kind of has that sound of I don't know maybe a a proud warrior or in this case a, you know right. alleged criminal kind of marching towards their inevitable fate kind of thing. Yeah. It's got that sense of a funereal sort of um, quality to it. It's quite haunting in that sense. I even nearly used it. Um, I can't remember if I told you this last time I was on or what stage I was at, but I um I did one of those white collar boxing matches, you know, like a charity <laughs> boxing thing. Um, and I thought about having this as my entrance music because when I found out the bloke that I had to fight, um, which inevitably, which ended very badly as I suspected it would, because <laughs> he was well hard. Um, I thought about having this as my music just to get across that sense of um, <laughs> you're about to watch my, you know, public execution. But in the end, I, I picked something else. But yes, it, that definitely fits as a backstory. To to read the full quote from Vanzetti, um, that he said before uh, before his execution, he says, if it had not been for these things, I might have lived out my life talking at street corners to scorning men. I might have died unmarked, unknown, a failure. Now we are not a failure. This is our career and our triumph. Never in our full life, we could have hoped to do such work for tolerance, for justice, for man's understanding of man, as we now do by accident. Our words, our lives, our pains, nothing. The taking of our lives, lives of a good shoemaker and a poor fish peddler, that last moment belongs to us. That agony is our triumph. So yeah, quite a, quite a way to go out there. <laughs> oh, deep stuff there. That's got it's got many layers. Um, and yes, I uh, and and even without all of that stuff and without the Metal Gear Association, just as a as a song in its own right, I think it's really really beautiful piece. Let's listen to "Here's to You" coming from Metal Gear Solid Five Ground Zeroes.
Before we listen to our last track, we'd like to remind everyone to go over to the forum at caneandrince.com slash forum or tweet us at caneandrince where you can request tracks for future Sounds of Plays. We'll play those on future shows. I would like to thank John for joining me today. Uh, would you like to, as you mentioned at the top of the show, plug your your books, any of your writing, uh, anything that you would like to throw out there in front of the audience? No, will do. And thank you ever so much for uh, for having me on again, Ryan. It's much appreciated. Lovely way to, to uh, spend an evening recording this. Um, had a great time, as I did last time, and hope to be back again. Great, yeah. Um, so yes, um, I write stuff, and it would be great if you all wanted to um, read it. Um, I promise it's worth a read. It's, it's um, If you like dark horror crime type things, it'll be right up your street. Um, so I... Uh, Best way to, to find me is probably to just look at my website. So that's www.john-richter, that's J-O-N-R-I-C-H-T-E-R.com. You can find copies of all of my books available on there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at RichterWrites, all one word, or on Instagram at John JohnRichterWrites, and just listen to my general wafflings and, oh, I've had a great idea for a new book. Oh, no, I've changed my mind. And it's it's just a bit of a stream of consciousness, really, um, which you can uh, hopefully, um, you will hopefully find amusing. Um, my most recent release was a book called Never Rest, um, which I uh, hope, if you've read it, you enjoyed it. And if you haven't read it, I hope you read it. And uh, watch this space, hopefully, for more to come soon. Well, we're moving now into our final piece of music. This one I saved for the end because it's, very, very long. It's actually two tracks that are stitched together, but they belong together. You know, the um, the the latter one definitely plays off of what came before it, and so I felt like they really belong together in this space. Uh, this comes from No Man's Sky. This is by 65 Days of Static, and these are the tracks Blueprint for a Slow Machine and Pillars of Frost, which... I think that Pillars of Frost is one of the most just beautiful songs that I've ever heard in general. And it takes all of Blueprint for a Slow Machine to build up to the kind of amazing release that is Pillars of Frost, which is the latter portion of this track. But um, I I hope that you enjoy both of them. Uh, But yeah, I think, man, this, it just creates such an interesting sound. It's, it gets really heavily distorted as it just cycles through a few notes, almost like you're you're listening to it on an old like walkie-talkie or radio or something that is kind of dying in your hands. Um, but it's 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 just so powerful and emotional. Um, but I think it does benefit from having the buildup that it has of a, um, a a track that's mostly kind of slow and quiet for quite a bit of its journey um, but altogether comes out to just less than nine minutes and I think it's an incredible nine minutes of music so are you a No Man's Sky fan? I actually um, it was whenever it came out let's say it was a couple of years ago um, my I had a friend staying with me and my then girlfriend at the time in our house and he's a video games reviewer or tech reviewer by trade so he was kind of all over it like let's get it straight away as soon as it's out so we all sat together and played it. And I think we had that experience that I think a lot of people had of starting off with fun, really high expectations and then it kind of, uh, mm-hmm. oh, this mm, it's, it's a bit slow, isn't it? When's something going to happen? Oh, th- this is cool. Mm, okay. God, you have to walk a lot in this game, don't you? And not much goes on. And so we kind of 
drifted away from it and just thought it was maybe a you know a bit of a longer term project and then the backlash kind of started and so you just think oh okay so maybe this game just sort of sucks a bit and we just never went went back actually it would what i've picked up from tinternet is that it seems that it, they've, there's been lots of patches and upgrades and updates and they've managed to craft it into something that's a lot more enjoyable and engaging now so mm-hmm. for a while I have been intending to get get a whole get a copy of my own and um, and have another go at it, but just haven't got round to it yet. Yeah, it's uh, it recently got its big patch with the uh, No Man's Sky Next edition uh, as it made its way to the Xbox One as well, and that brought a lot of players back to it. And apparently, it's uh, fulfilling a lot of the promises that it originally made. And people are uh, actually properly getting into it now, which is nice to see. I always like to see happy endings to these types of stories. Um, But I think, you know, say what you will about the game. I think the soundtrack from the beginning has been phenomenal. I love this, this really powerful post-rock sound that 65 Days of Static has. And uh, I think this, this track demonstrates it really well. It's, it's super dynamic. It's, it kind of tells a story all the way through and it, surrounds you with sound in a way that not a lot of other pieces of music often do and i just love to be buried up to my neck in sound and uh, this this track certainly does that so let's close out today with blueprint for for a slow machine and pillars of frost by 65 days of static from no man's sky we'll catch you next week 